Heavenly Father, as we come to look at your word and to hear it preached to us and proclaimed, I pray that it would um, be open to us, that I would speak clearly and slowly with the right words to say, and that you would give us your spirit in our hearts, that as we dwell on these things, they would sink in and we would rejoice more in you. Amen. Um, in the reading, you might have recognized some of those words. I don't know how often you read the book of 1 Chronicles, but some of those words will be familiar if you've um, come regular to the Wednesday lunchtime service, morning service, sorry, or um, pre-COVID when we, when we had a physical collection. We would often pray this prayer over the offering. We would say, and let me get these words right, um, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own have we given you. I often mess that up and say, of our own have we given you, but it's not that way around. It's important to get it right. Um, those are strong words. You say it so often, you often lose them, the impact of them, right? But, but all things come from you. That's quite a lot. Everything comes from you, the Bible says. Um, in in the, 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 the passage there that we've read, um, what's happening is it's David, who's this great king of Israel, conquered Goliath, established a nation that God's will could worship God freely, and he's coming to the end of his life, and he said, Solomon, my son, will be king. And Solomon's big task that we're going to set for him to do, the thing that God has given um, Solomon to do, is to build a temple for God. David himself wants to build a temple, but God said, no, David, you have blood on your hands. It's not your job, it's your son's job. But you can take up the collection to build it, because it's going to be amazing. It's going to have pillars of gold, and it's going to be panelled with all kinds of precious metals, and it's going to be this wonderful, beautiful thing that people come from you know, literally miles around to see hundreds of miles around to see, as a place to worship God. Solomon's going to build that so you can take up the collection in order to build it. You can ask people to give so they can build it. And this is David's response, because he says to everyone, I've given of my own, like all the things I have in my house, I've gone to my bank accounts, I've gone to, you know, I've sold some stuff, and I'm bringing everything here. What will you then give? And God's people say, this is what we will give too. We will be generous. Here's all the things we have. Here's our silver, our bronze, our gold. We will also give them. And so David prays this great prayer. But he says, everything comes from, he doesn't just say it once, um, three times in the passage we read. In verse 12, he said, wealth and honor come from you. That's what they come from you, God. Verse 14, um, who am I, Lord, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. All these things come from you. And then again in verse 16, he says, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building your temple for your holy name comes from your hand. Again and again, David says repeatedly, everything comes from God. Now, think about it for a minute. He's like, everything comes from God. Like, that's like everything possible comes from God. Um, consider, I don't know, whatever you have in your pocket, a pencil or your phone, right? That somehow comes from God. Now, take a pencil, right? As far as I can work out, a pencil is made of wood and graphite, and then maybe the little rubber at the end of it, if you're lucky. Um, that's what a pencil is. And the wood obviously comes from trees. We can work this out. And the trees grow in the ground, and they come from the sunlight. And we can kind of say, okay, God made the sun. He made the plants. Therefore, I can see how the pencil kind of comes, because originally that's where it had come from. And the graphite's buried in the ground somewhere. It's like mixed with clay, and it works. I looked up the Wikipedia article on pencils before this. Don't worry. Um, so, so that's how a pencil comes from. These are things that are in the ground that God has provided for us to make pencils. And so we can to like, the original person who made these things. Um, uh, so the original, God is the original person who made these things. And he says of even your phone, it's, like it's got precious metals that God placed in the ground. And it's got glass made out of... Um, like uh, silica and all that sort of stuff that, again, God placed in the ground to make. 
But it's more than just that. It's not just saying that God originally created the world and then he kind of let things running. Like he pressed the starting gun and walked away and then we can create stuff that he's given. It's not just saying that God's given us loads of like Lego blocks to make stuff. Rather, he's, he's also saying like everything comes from God. He's given even people the skills to be able to think about making phones or pencils or whatever that is. He's given people the ability to do these things. He's, he's created the world in a way that allows physics to work, that means your phone can hold a battery charge and it works. Like the, the, Every single detail of this world has been made by God in order that these things work, in order that um, things function and operate. Like everything comes from God. We mean down right to the final like tiny particles. Even the reason that you can have a phone in your pocket is because you have been gifted in certain ways with, with money in your bank to buy one, with you know, security at home to do such things. With whatever that is, that is a gift from God. Now, the obvious, this is more obvious back in the days of when we kind of more reliant on harvest. So today is harvest. And obviously, a long time ago, that was more significant. If the weather was bad, you died. That's how harvests work. You know, if, if the crops failed, you starve. You know, you have to decide which of your animals you're going to kill, even though you want to keep it, because you need to live for a year. And there's a very physical, daily, like, yearly reminder that unless God sends the rain, and we have no control over that, the rain does what it does, or unless God sends the sunshine, or he, he stops the frost, or, or makes the frost happen whenever you need it, um, unless God does that, we, we will not live. And so we have that physical reminder that all these things come from God. When you're, when you're waiting for, will the sun rise this morning and the rains come down and the crops grow, we are trusting in God so everything comes from him. Now, we're, we're, we're a few steps removed from that these days. Like, I don't really worry about the weather. I mean, I do, but, but not in the sense of will I eat, more in the sense of, like, um, you know, what do I need to wear to go to the shops? And then the shops, I hope there'll be things there. And obviously right now, there's, there's not perhaps as much stuff as we would like. But even then, I still have an abundance of choice. Like, I'm reliant on, on Mr. Tesco's to deliver stuff to me, not the Lord God in heaven. And yet, even those things come from God. You know, God is the God who has created the ability for us to have supply chains and just-in-time delivery, and he's created the ability for people to think and plan these things through. The entire world operates on, like, millions and millions of, of micro-miracles that happen constantly. These little miracles that God uses to sustain the world day by day that allow things to function. You know, when we, don't, we, don't, we take for granted that... Um, like our cars work and our, you know, our houses get heated and all that sort of stuff. But it, it only runs because God has made this world in a way as a gift to us. He has designed the world in a way that these things could happen. He didn't need to do this. But yeah, he's designed the world in the way that the laws of physics and the skills he's given people mean that things work. Everything is a gift. Everything comes from God, as David says, and all things are a gift. Just, it's not just David this, saying this, by the way. Um, elsewhere in the Bible, it comes up repeatedly. In James chapter 1, verse 17... James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father in heaven. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, what do you have that you didn't get as a gift, you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? He's saying, look, it's all a gift. Why are you bragging about the stuff you have? It was given to you by God as a gift. Everything comes from God. Or in Acts, um, Paul is preaching, and he says, he's lo- God has not left himself that testimony. He's shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Your food that you get, I know you go to the shops and buy it, but it, and, and it's with money that you have earned, but that is still coming from God. That is where it comes from, that is the author of it. Or, or Job, when he um, has all his life taken away from him, he says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the Lord's name be praised. 
It's come from God. Job recognizes that Job has presumably worked very hard to accumulate all his stuff, and yet says, no, it came from God. Everything is a gift from God. Um, the, the passage we read actually goes even further than that. It doesn't say everything just comes from God, but it says everything belongs to God. So, um, if you look at verse 11, if you've got your Bible open, um, he says, David says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Everything in heaven and on earth. That's everything. He's not like going, oh, some things in heaven and on earth are yours. Some of those bits and pieces that don't belong to anyone else, you can claim God. You know, kind of, God's the default owner if no one else owns it. That's not what he's saying. He says, everything is yours. Again, in verse 16, he says, um, Lord our God, all this abundance, all this stuff that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. This is your things that we have. Everything comes to you. Again, elsewhere in the Bible, this is not just David like praying some randomly stuff. Um, Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord and everything in it. God looks down and says, All of this is mine. All of creation belongs to me. Everything here is mine. Um, Job 41, God says again, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. Psalm 89. Verse 11, the heavens are yours, and yours also are the earth. You found the world and all that's in it. So the psalmist is saying, all the heavens belong to you, the earth belongs to you, you made the world, everything in it, so it belongs to you. Or um, Psalm 50, again, the psalmist, uh, uh, sorry, God speaking, and God says, I have no need of a bull from your store or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insect in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. But the whole world is mine, and all that is in it. So you drive out onto the moors, you see some sheep there, they belong to a farmer, unless they've kind of wandered off and got lost, I guess. They do belong to the farmer, that's true, you can't steal a sheep and say it's God's. But that sheep still belongs to God. It might belong to the farmer as well, or the farmer might have ownership of it, but it belongs ultimately to God. He has ownership over it. If you like, you might think of this, as everything in this world is, is, is on loan to us by God. He is the ultimate owner of all the things and he gives us things that we need daily, and he says, borrow it as long as you need it. It's yours to have. I give it to you as long as you need it. But we just hold it temporarily. Um, I have friends of mine who are missionaries um, abroad, and then they came back into the country. A friend said, oh, here, have our spare car. It's yours as long as you need it, and gave it to them. Now, that's not, that is, in one sense, their car for the three or four months they were over here, and they're driving around. It's their car, and they're paying the petrol and whatever. But it's not. It's a loan. It's, it, they have been given it by their friend to use it as a generous gift. Everything is a, is, is belongs to God, and we have it as long as we need it. Now, we, we like to think that we have earned things from ourselves. No, no, my house is mine. Like, I pay the mortgage. I worked really hard for this. Like, I've nearly paid off the mortgage. It's really exciting. It's great. But I did all that stuff. Or you think, no, no, my phone belongs to me. Like, I, I was great. I've saved up money, and I've got a job, so I actually have a proper contract, and I have a nice new shiny phone. Or, or whatever it is that you say, you say, there's this there's savings account, my pension fund, whatever, but I work hard for it. But that is still a gift given to you by God. Your ability to work hard, the fact that you weren't struck down by some illness to prevent you from working, the fact that you had parents help you with a deposit, or you had people who gave you an education, all these things are a gift to you that has enabled you to do it. When we claim these things for ourselves, it's, it's, it's remarkably, it's a strong word, but I can use it, it's remarkably arrogant to say, I have done this for myself as if it wasn't a million gracious gifts from your Father in Heaven enabling you to have this. But without these things, you would not have them. Um, 
I mean, this is, if, if you don't believe this, but this is what you pray every week in the Lord's Prayer. We say, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Not mine is the kingdom, but yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. It's why we pray for daily bread, because we know these things are gifts from God. But this is good news, right? You might think the curate's just robbed me of my stuff. He says, it's not mine, it's God's instead. But it's good news because if, if you have to earn it, then, then it's up to you to keep hold of it, and you can lose it too. You know, if it's all about me and I've got this stuff, then it relies quite heavily on you to keep that stuff, to retain it. You have to fight for your possessions and hold on to them, and, and you have to defend them, and things can come and take them away. But if it's a gift, well, then it's free. It's given to you. It's not earned, and, and you will have what you need because you can trust in God. And if you don't need it, he might take it away. Or if it's bad for you, he might remove it. And if you need something else, he'll give it to you. You can rely on him to provide for you as opposed to fighting for yourself. Like, supremely, we see this in, in Jesus. Like, he gives us Jesus as the perfect gift, who is everything that we need. But every other thing in our life, all these things are gifts that we don't have to earn for ourselves. They are gifts to us. The, the way this works out is, is we should live our lives full of daily thankfulness. Of just random stuff. You walk down the street and it's like paved and you can walk safely and be grateful and thankful. The same friends who I said were over in the country as missionaries, that was one of their things they were thankful for. The country they are, from, they are working in has no pavements. It's like rubbish. You just have a road and then you have dirt next to it. So it's awful going for a walk. And like, it's amazing. British pavements are phenomenal. You can walk down them and they're safe. But it's those things saying, that's a good thing to thank God for. And loads of other stuff too, like um, the way that grass smells when you cut it smells great. There's no reason for that. I know there's a scientific reason why it smells. But there's no reason God had to make a world where grass smells good or bread smells good or anything like that. These are gifts God gives us to be thankful. Um, Imagine for a minute it's your birthday and you get your, your dream present that you've, you've wanted for all your life. You know, this is the one thing. It's like a, I don't know, a Lego X-Wing, right? Or something like that, you know, that would be cool. I mean, that okay. But anyway, um, might be something more realistic for you, I guess. But you get this. What do you do? You immediately say thank you to the person who's given it to you. That's, that's your response. When you're given a gift, you thank the person. That's, that's what you do. Um, and that's what happens here in this passage. It says, the people rejoiced at the willing response. This is verse 9 of chapter 29. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced. And the, the, the whole atmosphere here is not one of like, oh, they've got to give to God. I saved all this myself. It's, I was going to use this to buy like a new, whatever they bought back then, I don't know, um, you know, a new cloak or whatever. They don't do that. They, they rejoice that they can give, because they know it's a gift being given to them. So they're more than happy to share it. They're, they're thankful and they're rejoicing and they give away. So um, it, it, we've been looking at the book of Romans in our uh, normal kind of morning services. This is a harvest interruption. And um, two weeks ago when David was preaching in Romans 1, there's so much going on there, we didn't get a chance to look at this. But in Romans 1 verse 21, uh, Paul is writing and he says, um, the people knew God and God was made plain to them and obvious to them. And he said, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Paul's like saying this is a condemnation of the world, that people know that God exists really, and yet they refuse to give thanks to him. To think. Like, all these daily miracles occur, that life happens, that stuff appears, that we can like, get money and earn jobs and, and work at jobs, and we can uh, have friends and family, and the, and the air is good to breathe, and the sun rises every day. All these amazing gifts that exist in the world, and people didn't give thanks. Imagine a child has a birthday party and loads of presents turn up and they refuse to give thanks to anyone. You'd be like, give the presents back. That's outrageous. Of course you say thanks. That's how we respond. And, and Paul says, what a condemnation that this happens. That all these amazing things happen and we don't give thanks. 
Um, Richard Dawkins, famous atheist, uh, said in 2009, he said he, he's, it's odd that he has this sort of feeling of abstract gratitude that he's alive, and, and he wants to appreciate them, but he, just, he doesn't have anyone to thank, because there's no God. He's an abstract gratitude. Isn't that sad that he's like, all these things, I'm really glad I'm alive and can see the wonders of the world, but I, I have no one to thank. But we do. We thank God for all the good things that he gives us. What's amazing is that though we are this ungrateful, unthankful people, yet God sends Jesus Christ to us. You see the people who never thank him for anything, and yet he gives us this gift of Christ himself, who comes to rescue us, to set us free, to give us everything through him. That, that we people who are ungrateful are rescued by this, the Son of God who comes to rescue us. We, we love to think we do it for ourselves, um, we, that everything we have is from us, and yet it's not. It comes from God as a gift from God. Everything comes from God and it belongs to God. So therefore, just be thankful. Um, one way you can do this is some of you, I know, will say grace before, before mealtimes, right? Just say grace for everything. Say grace before you get in a car, before you have a bath, before you go to sleep. Say, just say, say thank you because of all the good gifts God has given you. You could probably just stop in the street and say, right, what can I thank God for right now? And it might be just that, you know, it's not chucking it down with rain or just that you can walk up and down the street. I know there's some people who are probably watching this who are sad that they can't do that, and yet we can. Just think of those things that you can say thank you to God for, whatever that may be. Sometimes we just, we think, oh, I can't thank God for that, but you can. You can thank God for, you know, telecommunications that you can FaceTime your family abroad, or thank God for, you know, the, the sun that delights your day, or the way that the, the light sparkles off the puddles of rain, whatever that is, it's right as we thank God for all these good gifts of grace. One final thing to mention about this. Look, um, Again, the, 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 so God's people here, they know it comes from God, they know it belongs to God, they're incredibly thankful, and therefore they give really graciously. So in verse 14, they say, Who am I and my people, this is David speaking, that we should be able to give as generously as this? You know, how can we give so generously? In verse 16, all this abundance we provided for building you a temple comes from your hand. In verse 17, um, all these things I've given willingly and with honest intent. I know, I, and, and now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Because they know it's not their stuff, it's on loan from God, they don't mind giving it away. Because like, it's, just, it's just theirs temporarily. Um, in, in, in mythology, you have dragons, right? They're things that exist, and dragons love to sleep on big piles of jewels and emeralds and gold and all that stuff, and they hoard it. And that's the thing dragons do, they hoard it, and they don't spend it, they keep it to themselves. We can live like that, kind of trying to store up stuff for ourselves, as if somehow that will be a good thing. And then the dragon dies, and it's just a pile of jewels that was completely wasted. Um, isn't that pointless? God gives you all these things in order that you can bless other people with them. You have this gift of wealth or time or energy or whatever you have a gift of or, or some skill that you've been given. You, know, you can give it and share it. So we're greatly blessed by the, the people who have a gift in arranging flowers and the church looks so beautiful. We're greatly blessed by the AV team who have a gift in how streaming works, that they can make it work like this, or the people who sing. But we have these gifts to hoard them to ourselves is ridiculous. It's given to you to give to other people, like share around. Imagine you're a postman and you kept all the packages for yourself. They're not for you, they're for giving to other people. Um, this is what it looks like when a whole church captures this vision. In Acts chapter 4, it says that all the believers were in one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own, but they shared it with everyone they had. So no one has need because they go, well, it's, I have loads of stuff, but it's not my stuff, it's God's stuff. It belongs to him, he gave it to me, so I'm fine with sharing it with you. If you think, oh, I earned it, it's all mine, then you want to hang on to it. 
But acknowledging it's God's gift means we can give it away freely to other people. Whatever that is, money, time, energy, we can give that because it's a gift from God. Um, here are two practices I'll encourage and then I'll pray for us. The first is that thing I said earlier. Just say grace for stuff, whatever that is. Thank the Lord that your car runs or thank the Lord the MIT was cheap or thank the Lord that you had a car for a while and then it died on you. Like thank the Lord for all the good things that you give for hot water, for, for clean water, for whatever that is. There are things you can thank the Lord for. I know there'll be people who are thinking, I don't have much to thank God for right now. But if you stop and look, you do. God has given us so much stuff, mostly supremely Jesus. So spend time just saying grace about stuff. Just think of where else will I say grace this week and thank God for it. Um, but also, uh, so that's the first thing. Also just think, how can I give my stuff away? It's not my stuff anyway. It's God's stuff. He gave it to me. We give to the food bank because we've been blessed with abundance of stuff so we can pass it on to other people who need it. We can give with our money because we've been given an abundance of it so we can pass some of it on. What have we been given an abundance of? And for some of us, that's not money, but it's other things too, that we can give away. And this is the prayer that we pray, and I'll pray it for you now as we finish. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and Lord, it's of your stuff that we have given you. Amen.